Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our worship team and us being able to celebrate you. We thank you, Father, for uh, you using their gifts, their talents, their discipline, Lord, to praise you. We thank you that our hearts can sing, Lord. One name, one name alone, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Guide our time that as we preach, that you would be magnified. Move me so people can see you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to bring up some, uh, some pictures. Uh, these are some pictures of my children. Uh, they were, these some, of, some of my kids, they were a little younger. Um, just a few pics. You can see... Uh, in their faces, you can see some excitement and some joy. You can see a, uh, a delight within them, something that's internal, that's bubbling over and just like comes out, you know. And, and, and when I see my kids, I see my wife, you know, I see her, them resembling her. Uh, but then when she's not around and I just have them, I'm like, oh, no, y'all can't do nothing. Y'all get in trouble. People going to know you did it because you look just like your daddy, too. You know, like I, I see myself in them, you know, and, uh, and seeing their childhood reminds me of my childhood a bit. And I remember having that type of like internal joy take place, internal happiness take place one day when, when on my birthday, my mom said to me, I got a surprise for you at school today. I got a surprise for you at school today. Now, that set me off. I remember my, I couldn't keep my foot still when I was eating my Fruit Loops because I'm excited for what's going to happen. I'm tapping the whole day with my pencil at the, at the school. You know, I can't keep still because there's so much excitement within me for what my mom was going to do. And my mom that day brought I don't remember what she brought, actually. It might have been cupcakes. It might have been a cake. It might have been cookies. I think I was more hype about what it was going to be than actually what it was. I just, it was, it was a, a sense of happiness and joy inside. Happiness that started before I actually fully experienced what she had for me. You see, family, we are diving into this, this sermon series called Kingdom Come, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. And it is Jesus preaching to people. He is speaking and imparting words into his disciples. He's equipping the saints. He's helping them see the big picture, and some of the big picture hasn't happened yet. Some of the big picture is to come, but they experience this term that you see again and again and again, this term, blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the, the term used for the Beatitudes. Beatitudes is this term you don't use any other time except when you're talking about these scriptures. It's a Latin term that means blessed or happy. And it's referring to the, the internal state of people. In this specific instance, you can still be blessed. God can still somehow give you a sense of joy, a sense of delight, even though you haven't fully yet experienced the comfort from morning. 
even though you haven't fully experienced all that he promises, there is a sense that his presence in you makes you know you're blessed. And so the Beatitudes is a Latin term for people being blessed. And so every time you see the word blessed, understand that's the framework by which we enter into this sermon. That's the background by which this sermon is preached. That's the foundation of, hey, I've got some things to help you guys understand, some things you're going to experience now and then also fully, but it's all a blessing. It's all to internally affect you. It's all to impact you from within so that as you walk through this life, you can have a sense of joy even though you haven't fully experienced all that I have to offer yet. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. And we are going to read, starting verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is this term that, that, that means that, that you are willing to extend compassion and kindness to show that type of disposition to someone that has offended you or towards an adversary. I like the way Elwell says it. He says, to forgive an offender or adversary and or to help and spare a person who, though they have offended you, you care for them. It's crazy to consider mercy in that way, right? To consider you helping, you showing kindness, not to someone who accidentally does you wrong, an offender. You did it on purpose. An adversary, somebody whose goal is to see my demise. And that's when we show mercy. You see, all through this series that we are discussing the Sermon on the Mount, Kingdom Come, we're going to continue to see the world flipped upside down. We're going to continue to see behaviors that are counter to the way the world acts. Why? Because God says, I got it. I got this. Will you trust me? Will you trust me that you don't need to respond like they respond? You respond how I will respond. You see, because I have forgiven you. And so because I've forgiven you, then you are to forgive. I have extended mercy unto you. So because you received mercy, you extend it. If you have your e-Bible on your phone or your physical Bible with you, I didn't put these scriptures in, but it, it, it kept ringing to me, ringing to me as a, as a 
good example, or we were going to go to uh, the example in Exodus where uh, the people have just uh, um, uh, worshipped this jacked up calf. And then Moses pursues the people and God provides mercy. But I think that there is an, an e, another, there's so many examples of God's mercy, but I think this is one that we could all relate to, right? Go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, still in the same book, but now just flip back. What's 5 minus 18? 13, flip back 13 chapters right quick. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And I usually like to summarize, but the story is just so good. I'm just going to read it verbatim so you can see a great example of kingdom mercy. Not that kingdom mercy is optional. It is expected of us because we've been forgiven much. Starting in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me. I will pay you. He refused. And went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants heard, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. This his master summoned, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We're going to continue to see the theme of heart, but also these practical applications for the Beatitudes. Why? Because there is a heart thing, an internal thing, a blessing that happens within that gets expressed on the outside. Sadly, some of us think that if we just do the outside thing, we're okay. She wronged me, but I didn't get her back. That's not mercy. That's not retaliating. All he did was talk about me, but I was about to talk about him, but I just, I just kept my mouth shut. You see, sometimes you can be real quiet, but your heart has daggers that sting people. 
sting people. I, 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 I remember, you know, you, you grew up in the hood and you have different situations that take place. And, you know, I have older friends, older cousins I used to run with a little bit. And so we would be in a place and let's say there's a place where there's some drama jumping off. And you and you have somebody, you know, usually it's the smallest guy in the room trying to like act like he's the toughest and he's starting stuff, wants to fight, yada, yada, yada. My family members taught me. Okay, you see this situation. Keep a keep a keep an eye out a little bit on the guy that's real loud. Keep an eye out on his friend. But the one you really watch is the guy who's totally silent in the corner. That's the person who could harm you that you never see coming. The person that's totally silent. And unfortunately, that understanding worked to my good when I was in some tough situations. See, just because you're silent doesn't mean that you're a good person. You cannot be on the outside demonstrating harm and still in your heart not showing any mercy, showing anger. Cutting people with your ideas, thoughts, and God says, no, no, no. Not my people. Mercy. Mercy is kindness or compassion. How are you compassionate to a person that's your enemy? Only when we allow the Lord to grab our hearts. Truly grab our hearts. Look at verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Psalm 24, like, helps unpack that a little bit more. Starting in verse 3. If you were flipping, you'd be, it'd be tough for you to get there that quick. But we try to throw it up on the screen. Psalm 24, verse 3. Jot that down to come back to it later. It says, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. What is a pure heart? One that doesn't submit to your own selfish desires, who doesn't submit to these false gods that are trying to grab your attention and want you to submit and live a lifestyle towards it. Is it money? Is it influence? Is it to be liked? What, what is it? Is it? Is it to show your intelligence and intellect so that you feel better when you make other people feel smaller? Is it to outserve your fellow man and you want to be known in a prideful way for being a servant of all? You see, if it's not Jesus, even if it looks nice, even if it looks bad, it's equaling the same thing. A false worship. False God. See, the Lord says here that we can have pure hearts when we are not entertaining those gods. We're not committing and showing an allegiance to those unhealthy things. Deceit is not on our fingertips. We're pursuing righteousness. And don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to give you 
50 lists of things to do because you can't perfect your own heart. But what God does is God can grab your heart and then with your heart grabbed, you can begin to take steps closer to him. To look more like him. To yesterday have made a decision that was wrong and that was deceitfully in my own gain. But now, Lord, no, today I've learned from it. Today I'll make a decision for you. Today I'll make the costly choice. Pure in heart. Pure in heart is a, it's an interesting concept because as he does something in our hearts which allow us to live it out and walk it out, the result of that is that they will see God. We will see God. You know, it, 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 it is beautiful when you get glimmers of God, right? When you are struggling and somebody happens to write you a card that's just on time. When you're feeling a little low and you didn't plan it and someone sends you a text. When you just don't know exactly what to say. That you need help or you need support or you need a friend to talk to and somebody's there. We get these expressions of God. But in this life, our understanding of God is still hazy. It's still, it's still guarded. It's still uh, not full yet because we're, we're walking like this. We're walking with our eyes closed trusting God because he is faithful in all that he does. And he says, and in you, I want my faith walked out. So we actually walk by faith. Look in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. So we are, and I jumped there too quick, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. But there will be a day, hallelujah, when we don't have to have faith anymore. We don't have to believe in something that we don't fully see. We don't have to say, Lord, I submit to your ways and I'm going to follow you even though I don't understand there's going to be a day where we can fully see him for all that he is in his beautiful splendor. It won't be hazy. It won't be blindness. It won't be following with just sheer trust. It'll be experiencing the beauty of all that he has to offer. So there's going to be a day where the pure in heart, those that made decisions for Christ and tried to walk with Christ, live for Christ, Choosing Christ alone will be able to see fully. I've watched pain be a dictator for how people will choose to hold on to Christ or let him go. And I'll say, man, this past week, uh, just trying to be sensitive to the needs of our sister Monique. 
and not call and bombard her with phone calls and checking in and everything the past few weeks. But the conversations I've had with her, she's been encouraged. I've been encouraged of, of her realness. I've been encouraged by her, her love of God and her family. And I know when something like this happens, you ask every question. And you'd be crazy not to. You ask questions, why God? How God? This is too painful, God. How dare you, God? What's up, God? What? Every question there is, I'm sure she's asked. But with that, she still has been walking by faith, connected with the Lord, holding tightly to Christ as she walks. And there's going to be a day where what now she can't understand or even fathom is going to all make sense. It's going to all make sense. It's going to all be resolved. Every question, every doubt, every wonder, every brain concoction that we just could not somehow bring to, a, to, 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 to solve, Lord, there will be a day where we see you face to face. This brother that was an early church father named Augustine or Augustine. It's a brother that reflected and he lived in uh, 300 AD a couple years ago. I like his words. He says, the divine record has expressed meant has expressly mentioned this when it says purifying their hearts by faith. The faith of God then purifies the heart. The pure heart sees God. But because this faith is sometimes so defined by men who deceive themselves even, as though it were enough only to believe, for some promise themselves even the sight of God and the kingdom of heaven who believe and live evilly. Like there is a, a clarity that, that sometimes we can fool ourselves into, yeah, God's going to support this. We can fool, fool ourselves into letting our heart be the main thing that lead us. And our hearts are wicked. Our hearts can deceive us. And so we have to submit. We have to trust. We have to cling to one that is outside of our hearts, outside of ourselves, who knows all things and sees all things and has our good in mind. That someday we should fully be able to see him. So we get the joy. The joy of. Mercy. Extending that because it's been extended to us. It starts internally and, and as we understand we've received great mercy, it allows us to extend it to others. We then understand that we will someday see God fully because of the righteous change that he's made in our hearts. And lastly, in verse 9, as blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called sons of God. 
Peacekeeping is a, a, an interesting thing because in our, in our generation, for sure, peacekeeping does not seem to be what gets you ahead. You, you can say what you want to about our, our past president, Donald Trump, but his tactics have worked. He, he has risen to one of the highest offices in the world, president. When you look at his wealth, uh, he has nicer things than most people in the world. His tactics of dominating, domineering, his, his approach to life seems to be winning. And even though we may argue about his political policies, nobody really signs up, though, to say, I'd like my child to look just like that not necessarily known for his character. Why? Because, because peacemaking is totally counter to a domineering type of character, even if that character gets you ahead. Even if being a cutthroat person gets you ahead, even if the world says you've accomplished and checked all the boxes for success, peacemaking might make you look like a pushover, might make you look meek. See, being a peacekeeper, it is your hope, your, a peacemaker, it is your hope that in each situation you bring the presence of Christ to calm the situation. Peacemaking happens when conflict exists. We step into conflict, and I, uh, I'm always, I, I, I wish that sometimes I could, like, talk to a Facebook engineer. Because I'm trying to understand what my algorithm is, man. How do y'all send me what y'all sending me? Because there, there was this video, and it was pretty cool, and, and, and there was two guys fighting each other, after a after a um, uh, road rage incident, and the videos showed people stepping in to stop. There's a guy who jumps out of his car. Two guys are swinging. He gets in between both guys, separates them, and they both stop, chill out, and get back in their cars and go about your way. See, that's peacemaking at its finest, right? Peacemaking means that you are interrupting conflict. There is evil taking place, injustice, and you are trying to be a presence of God to help bring forth peace, to try to bring forth harmony, shalom, a sense of all things working out. But that doesn't mean you don't put yourselves in harm's way when you're a peacemaker. Doesn't mean that there is not an opportunity for you now to catch one of them blows to the face. See, how much do we care about peacemaking when we may not have physical peace ourselves? See, it's a risky thing, right? It's costly. And that's why it's so connected to Christ. He's saying there is a way that the world operates. You don't think that there was tax collectors hustling people in Jesus' day? You don't think that there was 
people that were selling and taking advantage of the poor in Jesus' day? You don't think that there was conflicts constantly in Jesus' day? And that there was a need for people to step in and reflect him in situations of conflict and dispute. Because blessed are the peacemakers. It's interesting because peacemaking is, is something that, that is flows from who we are. But when you ignore peace, when you see conflict and ignore it, you're actually contributing. You're actually contributing to the drama. You're actually saying, oh, this is right enough to continue on. I won't step in. See, we don't get a we don't get a, a, a midpoint where it's like peacemaker or like punt, throw a punch yourself. It's like peacemaker, and then everyone else is an adversary to peace. As believers, we're called to live like Christ lived. I told this story once some time ago. I, I do think. We've never had a series on the Sermon on the Mount, but I do remember preaching this text, uh, man, probably like five years ago. And we'll see if anybody's memory is good. I hope not. Because I told a story of, of I got a call late one night, and uh, they said, man, we need you over at, at, it, at, at the house. So I jump up. Uh, this is not when I'm living in Detroit. This is when I'm in college. I jump up. Uh, meet up at my boy's house. I get there. Everybody's in the house. Like all the homies, everybody's there. What's going on? Man, they jumped so-and-so. They jumped him. Where is he? No, we about to go get him. Sit down. Hold up. Where is he? No, we about to ride out. We're headed over there to go make them pay for this. No, they can't do my boy. Like, Okay, hold up. Everybody sit down. Where is he? He's in the back. Hold tight. Let me go talk to him. I go in the back to see how he's doing. He looks good. He's just emotionally disturbed, as you can imagine. He's uh, angry. He's thinking through the level of pain that he wants to exude on these dudes. And... uh, I'm looking at my friend, one of my closest friends, and with tears in my eyes, I say, man, don't do this. I know what they just did. I know the pain that you're feeling internally right now is you feel like a sucker. You feel like a punk, and you want them to feel just a taste of the pain that you're feeling. But if you lead these men out here, something beyond what you and I can imagine is going to happen. Pain beyond what we can imagine is going to happen. It's not just going to be on the good side. I'm asking you, brother, don't do this. And I vaguely remember him doing something to the effect of punching a pillow or like flexing and just like somehow he like let out this frustration and kind of looked at me like, so what am I supposed to do then? 
And y'all, I wish I could make up some cool statement or something. I don't even remember what I said. I think I, I think I just said something to the effect of, I don't know, man, but don't do this. And he, he didn't go. He called off the rest of the homies. Uh, there was tension on the yard for sure for time to come. But he allowed peace to save, I believe, save a life that day. And I internally, what, what do I want to do? I want to do the same thing they're doing, but I can't because I love Christ. I can't respond with the same knee-jerk reaction that they want to respond with. I love Christ. And so I see the potential for further pain. I see where this will go. I know what God's calling me to. He's calling me to be a sucker in that time. He's calling me for the next month to know that they have jumped my friend and I didn't respond as the world would. But he's calling me to be a man of courage. To even be willing to stand alone and do what might be embarrassing to the world, but be honoring to him and say, trust me. Trust me. And sometimes when we trust God as a peacemaker, we put ourselves in situations where we might look weird to our coworkers. Everybody's talking about that coworker that's jacked up, and what do you do? Go with compassion and mercy. Yeah, they deserve it because they're acting crazy, but you extend kindness. Yeah, people are beefing, and you step in. No, I'm not going to take sides and just start gossiping like everyone else. How do we make this work environment better? How do we do this within our family better as our family is warring over political stuff and we're talking back and forth? Am I just contributing, posting stuff too, just to add, or am I hearing God? That's the importance in all of this. God does something internally. We are blessed because of what he's doing inside of us. But that inside transformation bursts out and you can't contain it. Don't contain it. And I can say there's been seasons of my Christianity where I allowed my faith and my muscle to ignore the Holy Spirit's prompting to get stronger. You understand that? I ignored God more often and got stronger at ignoring him. Seasons in my life where he would say, step in. Nah, they'd be all right. Step in. I know I messed up, but you're, you're sovereign. You're going to have them anyway. You're going to step in. See, don't, don't, get, don't grow that muscle. Don't grow the muscle of quieting the Holy Spirit. That is the only thing by which we should fear. Grow the muscle of ignoring what people say, what they think. Grow the muscle of us being courageous. Grow the muscle of being a peace waiter. No, we don't wait for peace to form. A peace hoper. No, we don't just hope that something mir happens miraculously. A peacemaker where he sends us as expressions of his mercy. Us as expressions of 
his righteous people, having a pure heart, us as expressions of his kingdom reign, his kingdom come, his kingdom of peace. Be a tool for God's glory today. No, I don't expect you to march tomorrow by yourself going out doing something major. I expect you to listen. We're in a season of praying, expecting you to pray. And I bet if you ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be a peacemaker this year. As I listen to all these things, and every week there's going to be something more that you could pray, right? Every week there's going to be another aspect. Help me to be, last week might have been, help me to be meek. Or help me to mourn and know that you will provide comfort today and fully someday. That was a part of last week's prayer. This week it might be, help me to be a peacemaker. Because I prefer peace when I don't have to be the one making it. Help me. Let us pray. Help us all, Lord. For we need you. We can't do this without you. You are our king. But sometimes, Lord, we'd rather our kingdom come than your kingdom come. Help us submit to your ways so that we can live out a life of mercy. Knowing that we were like that man who had a great debt, but that it was forgiven. Hallelujah, your mercy runs freely in our lives. Let us be compassionate, generous, kind to people as a result. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team get ready to come on up, but when they they come up, we're going to sing a song, a song of worship. But what I want you to understand is You are here today listening because our hope is that you would love and connect with Jesus Christ. Our hope is that you would have a real relationship with Christ. Peacemaking is never done from afar. You cannot step into a conflict from afar. Peacemaking happens in relationship. But the most important relationship that you experience in your life is the one that Jesus is offering you. He offers peace unto you. And he does so by saying, I will take the pain. I will take the hurt. I will take the sin that has happened to you and has worked out of you, the sin that you've caused and heartache you've caused others. I'll take all of that. I've died for it. And that sin should separate you from God forever. That sin should keep hurting the heart of God, your creator. But that sin, Jesus says, I'll die for so that you can experience peace with God. See, that reality is a reality that we invite you into. And if you love Jesus today, Keep rocking, keep walking with, keep celebrating your Savior, keep submitting, keep during this time walking by faith, clinging to him as you can't see where you're going, but you're trusting that he sees all things. But if you don't know Christ, draw near, connect with, 
cling to, accept the invitation of the one who's created all things and holds all things together. Because then when you do that, he places a Holy Spirit in you that will give you an awareness, give you an awakeness, allow you to see way more than you could see before. You go from death to life. If you want to walk in that way, simply pray with me. Jesus, I love you. I want to submit to you. I'm done leading my own life. I want you to lead it. Thank you for dying for me so that I could live in you. Place the Holy Spirit in me so that my righteous heart can walk according to your ways. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And there, you are now in the kingdom. You are now a part of God's body. If you prayed that prayer believing it, having faith that what you were saying, God heard and is responding to. It's not the words per se. It's not the, the, the mechanics of it all. It's just an honesty with God that you need him. And that's how we come every Sunday. Honestly, before God, that we all need him. So if you are a person that needs him, then you're in good company.